and welcome to Beyond the Scrum. This is Mark Carrig. I'm a writer at The Athletic, and I'm joined by Andy McCullough, also a baseball writer at The Athletic. What's up, Andy? Hey, just a writer. We're just writers. Yes. Just writers. I felt bad about ripping on Trent last week. I especially never felt bad after, about that. Well, no, then, then he gave me like a good story idea, and then I felt even worse. <laughs> So we're <laughs> we're not. Yeah. If it weren't for Trent, I wouldn't have written about Taiwanese broadcasters, which ended up being a lot of fun. So I, I'm no longer going to rip on Trent. Well, I'm not going to rip on Trent for this episode. How about that? That's great, Mark. I, I feel like you're making progress. Yeah. Um, so this week we've got a special guest, and I've already hinted at it. One of the uh, broadcasters for these Taiwanese baseball games, Richard Wong. Um, who everybody calls Boston because he went to college there and became a Red Sox fan. And speaking of the Red Sox, um, had some stuff come down yesterday, obviously. Um, The long-awaited investigation uh, got wrapped up, and the uh, Red Sox uh, seemed to get off pretty easy, uh, according to some folks. Got docked a second-round draft pick, um, you know, kind of... uh, anticlimactic ending for some folks uh andy what was your read and your takeaway on that mark i mean it seems to me that what you had here was a rogue video coordinator acting alone and thankfully they have found the bad apple and removed it from the bunch and everything is fine (laughs) i mean (laughs) go on come on (laughs) Look, I I get it. It's hard to, you know, the Red Sox um, were found essentially not guilty of any wrongdoing outside of their video coordinator, JT Watkins, um, who they said was acting alone. Uh, Mr. Watkins said, according to the report, that uh, he denied (laughs) these charges. Um, It it strains the, the bounds of credulity, I think. Uh, understanding how clubhouse dynamics work to think that, um, you know, someone, this is this like, these are the sort of, uh, you know, lower level people who Jeff Luna was talking about in his statement, you know, the people who aren't making millions of dollars, uh, the people who aren't, you know, uh, able to get sort of life-changing money through this. Um, it is, uh, yeah, I just, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I, I it's hard to it's hard to really think that this is the definitive account of what happened there. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's but if you don't have people on the record like there is with Mike Fires talking about what happens, then you know you're limited by the statements you're able to get from players, and there was you know no reason for folks on that Red Sox team to, you know, speak out about what was going on. So I have no idea what was going on. Um, you know, I, I don't want to cast aspersions on any particular individual because that would be uh, pretty uh, unfair. But it just, it's, I don't know, doesn't really pass the smell test. Kind of put it at that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm with you. I think there's, I'll start with this first, right? You, to cast as versions, not just on individuals, but individual teams. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mm-hmm. I'm going to avoid that. So what's yeah. the Boston Red Sox, 
um, and even the Houston Astros to a certain extent, okay, because they got what they got and, and they had it coming given what was in that report. However, there is still a culture that is much larger than theirs in the sport. And it is funny because it depends on, on what, what the actions are, but on one hand, it's celebrated to get mm-hmm. an edge, okay? It's mm-hmm. part of the game's charm. Uh, you know, you go back way back in the day when there weren't four umpires on the field, guys used to cheat all the time. They mm-hmm. wouldn't run the bases the full length. Like they'd cut mm-hmm. third base because, mm-hmm. you know, like umpires watching the ball, they're not watching you. And, and, mm-hmm. and professional, like old pros would teach rookies these tricks. So right, right. an element of that gene persists until today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I find it difficult to sort of see this outcome as anything more than just another wink and, and a nod and a look the other way. Um, yeah. And again, and I want to emphasize this, this is not a slam on one team. I think this just happens to some extent pretty much everywhere. Not that, you know, it's all technology. I'm just saying this idea of, of seeking an edge and pushing boundaries and all sure. that. Like, I mean, we've just talked about an era of innovation in baseball that is exactly this, right? Pushing boundaries and, and yeah. challenging things and whatever. So, um, When Farhan Zaidi was with the Dodgers, just to interrupt briefly, like he used to have a, a mantra that was optimized within the confines of the rules. Mm-hmm. So do everything within your – you are allowed to do legally – to gain an edge and you know that's how chase utley played baseball uh you know some folks would suggest that maybe sometimes he colored outside the lines but that was generally his philosophy is like get every single edge you're able to get and that applies to players that applies to front offices that applies to you know the the mid-level folks and so um yeah i it, it, it the culture has always rewarded behavior like this Ruben Tejada collared outside the lines once. Whoa. Whoa. I'm sorry. You were there too, weren't you? At second base. When? Like, this is uh, the playoffs a couple years ago. Ruben Tejada and and Chase Utley coloring. No, I was in Kansas City, man. Were you in Kansas City? Yeah, it's like all I write about. Remember, I was in Kansas City. That's right. I I have Ned Yost's phone number. It's like the reason I'm employed. That's right. You guys' podcast starts next week? Um, <laughs> Ned and I couldn't do a good podcast. It would yeah, be, sure you could. He'd be, be like, "What are you up to?" Here. I don't care. <laughs> I love your impressions of people, but yeah. like anyway, this <clears throat> yeah. the Red Sox thing, like you said, very convenient that it's a rogue video yeah. guy, which is laughable okay. because listen, like and, and Andy, you, you've referred to this, but let, let's talk. There's a lot of talk now about power dynamics. Okay, yeah. in different contexts, and and just so you guys understand the power dynamics, as you can deduce yourselves in that clubhouse, when you've got a low-level guy like the replay guy, who by the way, right, is probably supplementing his income through tips, all right, or something to that effect, right? Like the the fact is, like, that, well, playoff shares. A, a lot of times, do like guys shares, like that, right. like a playoff share is actual, that's right. you know, a difference maker, yeah. Yes, like I know, you know, on teams I've covered playoff shares of like renovated houses and paid off debt mm-hmm. and whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's a big deal. Like mm-hmm. that's how you make your money. Um so yeah, like uh, that guy is going to do what he's told to do. All right, ultimately. I and I'm not implying that he was told to do any of this stuff, but to, to the idea of it being bottom up, you know, being dictated yeah. from bottom up is is really difficult to wrap my 
my mind around. So, yeah. um, and again, like I, I repeat this again, like this is not, uh, you know, I'm not looking to hammer one team on this. I, I think it's quite the opposite, actually. I feel like, um, sadly, I feel like this kind of stuff might crop up again over the next few years, just because, um, you know, it, it feels like it's fertile ground for this to happen, right? Yeah. Like if you're not going to hammer people generally, or if it's very difficult to do so, then, and then by the way, like there's some benefit to the behavior, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I have a fear that this becomes a cycle, which would be kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news is if this keeps cropping up, that means there's, they played baseball at least. <laughs> that's true. So that's, that's good. true. Uh, that's baseball good. on this continent, anyway. <clears throat> yeah, I have a fun, just a, a quick, uh, fun uh, uh, story about playoff shares. When I covered the Royals, there was a, a staffer who'd been there for a long time and uh, wasn't really familiar with playoff shares because the Royals hadn't been to the playoffs since like 1985, and um, he didn't really know you know what they were he just uh but he got voted a full share he didn't know he got voted a full share he just woke up one day in november and there was a quarter of a million dollars in his bank account and he was (laughs) calling the bank like very confused and being like uh there's been an error something's gone wrong i didn't steal this money and they were like no this was a you know from your employer It, it was like a very confusing morning for him as to why this huge sum of money had just appeared in his bank account out of nowhere god that's amazing like yeah. that that is and it's funny you know, playoff shares are i feel like something that dates back like a hundred years mm-hmm. basically like when when they started playing postseason games you chopped up the gate right um, and that's you know and it's continued to this day which is really interesting obviously with, right you know, right a lot bigger but, stakes but and it and it it, you know, it, it reiterates kind of what you're saying of how the idea that there would be a bottom-up uh, cheating scheme seems uh, just, you know, strains the bounds of credulity. But, hey, they were able to get what they were able to get. No one, you know, it's not like the press has, you know, broken this story and Major League Baseball is covering it up. I mean, in terms of the press has people on the record saying this, you know, and Major League Baseball is saying that those reports aren't true. It's just they just weren't able to find credible um evidence i guess so well here we are this is uh, you mentioned his name already um mike fires yeah mike fires yep and you know like there's i i think one of the most ignorant things that i've heard is uh you know the the, the classic well he's a snitch nonsense mm-hmm. um bottom line is and and look plenty of debate about the Astros and how that was handled by the league okay mm-hmm. there always will be with these situations but at the end of the day they got punished for doing something bad, and the only reason it happened is because Mike Fires had the guts to go out and say that it happened. Now, is there ever a good time to say things like that? No, there isn't, because you're always mm-hmm. going to get this faction of, oh, you know, talked when he already got the benefit. It was two years <clears throat> after. Where was it when it, ha- you know, when it was actually yeah. going on? Boy, that's really, really easy to say from the bleachers, all right? But at the end of the day, he actually said it. He said it where people would read it and said it so that it would be acted upon and my book i don't care when that happened just that it happened and so i thought of that a lot yesterday as i saw the fallout to this latest thing with the red Sox. i think without fires the astros report looks a lot like this i think it looks exactly like this yeah absolutely you know so but hey 
baseball is still a sport that's being played, and apparently they're playing it in Taiwan. They are playing it in Taiwan. And, uh, you know, wrote a story last week. Well, let, let me first start with an apology. Uh, <laughs> on this podcast last week, I used the word goober to describe the broadcasters oh, no. uh, for the Taiwanese <laughs> baseball game. Did you? Yeah, thanks for listening. But, yeah, um, <clears throat> I, and, and let me be clear, like, I'm glad you're entertained, Andy, but, like, I I think what I, in the context that I was talking about, and, and I, I bring this up because a reader brought this up in the comments. I think it's Aram who brought it up, so thanks, dude. Um, like, and thanks for listening to the pod, first of all. But anyway, uh, I, you know, there was a couple times when I was watching this broadcast for the first time where you hear, you know, opposite field single, a oh, good piece of hit, and yeah, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like the the classic broadcaster 101, if you're doing a spoof of a broadcaster, the things you'd say. Uh, mm-hmm. That was like two innings of this when I was first listening to it. And I was like, ah, oh, that's the stuff that a goober would say or something to that effect. So anyway, um, after that, I was texting with, with the aforementioned Trent Rosecrans. And uh-huh. he's like, why don't you write about those guys? And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I, I, I think I should. And as I wrote about those guys, I realized that these are two guys. One of them, Richard, who we talked to here soon is doing this, these games in his second language. And the other yeah. guy, Wayne, Wayne McNeil, his broadcast partner, basically does this on the side, almost like mm-hmm. a hobby. Mm-hmm. And so given that context, I'm the goober, because those guys were doing yes. as best they could. And, and you know what? What's fun about it, I think, is that people have gravitated toward it. Like there, There's almost like a charm to the fact that they're not like, you know, super polished broadcasters. I think part mm-hmm. of it too is that they'd be the first ones to tell you that, which is cool. Right. So anyway, uh, Richard was kind enough to give us some time uh, a couple days ago. So here he is, me and Richard Wong, famous uh, English language broadcaster for the Chinese Professional Baseball League. Well, we're joined here by the voice of English language baseball uh, right now or one of the voices anyway, Mr. Richard Wong from Taiwan. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, and good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody out there. <laughs> I love that that's become one of your new sayings. Uh, yeah. And if you, if you guys have listened on the broadcast, that's become Richard's new greeting for, for people when they come out of the break. So... You know, I wrote a story about you and your partner, Wayne McNeil, the other day. And I think a lot of people in the English-speaking world have had an introduction to Taiwanese baseball because of you guys. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, man, like, what's it been like the last week or so since those games were online? They got 5 million views. Um, people seem to like what you guys were doing. What's it been like to experience that from your end? uh it's been it's been crazy yeah because it's been it's been something that we never expected at all and and uh, we are so uh excited to see all those uh fabulous uh, and encouraging messages that we got from all over the world and a lot of people say they like us a lot of people say thank you to us for bringing the game and uh, as a form of entertainment especially in you know during this kind of tough period of time that the entire war is affected by the coronavirus and uh, I believe that we uh, I think by the by the feedback that we got I guess we've done something right I suppose 
Yeah, I mean, I would say so. Like, <laughs> that feedback's been pretty good. Um, I, I guess, walk us through real quick sure. how this all came together, Richard. Um, it actually, there are two parts. One of it was that as soon as we know that we're going to be the only uh, sports play, you know, playing live on the earth, I talked to my friends, you know, say, we gotta grab this opportunity to push our broadcasting uh, to the war for, for like international feed. But it was just, you know, a conversation between me and my friends. And then, of course, I have connections uh, with television companies, broadcasters. But uh, I understand that it's going to cost extra, you know, money to get the production on the air. And I myself, you know, I don't have those kind of money, so uh, <laughs> we just talk about it. We thought about it, and we just you know maybe put it aside. But uh, I actually talked to one of the my friends uh, in uh, Eleven Sports Network Taiwan, and I'm not sure that if he uh, reported to Simon Kang, the managing director of Eleven Sports Taiwan, about this or not. But uh, a day after I talked to my friend. Uh, he told me that they had a meeting about it. Uh, and the meeting was called by Simon. And Simon asked everybody in the meeting, saying like, you know, I think we should do this, but who can we get to do this, to call the game on the air, especially in English? So everybody says, uh, uh, Boston. Oh, my nickname in Taiwan is Boston. Nobody really calls me Richard, because I live in Boston, and I used the name Boston to write articles when I was in the States. So they're saying like, Oh, we can go to Boston. Someone even said that oh, Boston can do it, do these things by him like alone. And I was like, what? So actually, <laughs> uh, after that, Simon contacted me and asked me if I could do it. And I said that uh, I would love to do it, and but I don't know if I'm good enough. But I would try to be my best. And she also asked me to see if I can find another. Person to work with me, and of course I uh, go to win because we know each other from the uh, Premier 12 in mm -hmm. 2015, and I have seen uh, his broadcasting, and I believe that uh, at this moment he's the best uh, choice, the best person uh, to do this. Uh, I believe he can probably do it by himself, but I would love to do it together as a team. Mm -hmm. So I I called him, and he's like, sure. If there's a chance there, he would love to do it. So I kind of reported back to Simone, telling her that, okay, I got ourselves a team. And, uh, but at that time, uh, it, wasn't, it was still like up in the air. We don't know if we're really going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess Simone is trying to uh, you know, get the confirmation from all sides, from maybe his headquarters and, and other uh, production side and, and things like that. So uh probably a day or two before the the opening day uh we were told that okay we're going to do it so we were like okay here here we go and and i, <laughs> I became very nervous then yeah because here we go uh, -huh. uh that's about it you know from from the very beginning of the thought to getting a confirmation from uh you know, Simone saying that okay, let's go, let's do it. Okay, it was so, yeah. 
Now, opening day was supposed to be a Saturday. There was rain. Oh, yeah. Sure. And then you guys didn't play again till Wednesday. So now there's those days in between where you're just waiting for this to happen. And by the way, and this is a part that I really admire, and I think I said this to you a couple of times when we talked the other day. Um, and folks, Richard is doing this in his second language, okay? Yes. Uh, yeah. Calling ball games is hard in your native language. So I can't even imagine how difficult it is to do on the fly in your non-native language. And then on top of that, you had to wait a couple of days to get it done. Yeah. Like, how, how nerve-wracking was that? that look, uh, when I just came home a little earlier today, I was thinking about how to describe that feeling. And just like you said, the first game was rained out. The second game got canceled because of the rain, you know, caused the, the, the drainage in, on the field. And then we don't have another real game until Wednesday. So I was very nervous to begin with from the moment that I got a call saying, okay, here we go. So I actually had like three or four more extra days with those nervous kind of feeling, which I probably didn't really have to have because you know, if, if it, there was no rain, if it, the game went on and on. So, that was extra nervous for me for those days. And, of course, when you were talking about a second language, uh, there was something that I really need to, you know, come over with. Because I I, uh, I told my uh, Taiwanese reporters here saying that I may have a good conversation skills in English, and I may be able to write a speech and deliver it right in English. But to, you know, to broadcast a game, that is not... I don't think the word difficult is <clears throat> proper enough to describe uh, the feeling that I have because it's way more than just being difficult. It was... Well, I don't have enough vocabularies for that, but it was something that I really have to uh, go over of my... I, I did have some fears too because I don't want to screw it up. Mm. And so what I did was that, well, as you, we talked about this before, that I rehearsed and rehearsed and I wrote the, uh, the draft. Um, actually, several different uh, copies of draft. I was trying to pick the best one to to use for the opening days. <clears throat> oh, I ended up that we never used that one because uh, the the first game of the season was rained out. The second game of the season was rained out. We did not get to do the the actual first game of the season because uh, it was another game in another city. Mm-hmm. So I had to rewrite everything again and then try to make sure that I can have a good opening. And it just took a lot of time and took a lot of um, well, effort, I should say, mm-hmm. to try to make sure that I don't screw up. I can at least present something. Uh, I can't say I, I, I can pre- I, to pre- present something that's okay for the mm-hmm. listeners or the viewers out there. I just don't want to, you know, people coming back to say, hey, the guy who doesn't really speak English, how can he do the baseball game on the air? And then he, what was he talking about? So it took me a lot of time to write the draft and try to rehearse it. Yeah, actually, you know, it's more than just on the motorcycle. I did it in the shower 
as well. Wow. And when I was <laughs> doing the dishes, and man, that is how nervous I was. Wow. I, but I wanted really to be prepared as much as I can, especially when I say the first words and the first lines of this what historical game you may mm. say. Well, I, I think it's safe to say now, Richard, you did not screw it up. Thank you <laughs> I very think much. you've done pretty well. Um, you know, it, we're talking about your conversational English. Uh, I, you know, you'd spent time in the United yes. States, obviously. You'd gone to college in, at Wentworth in Boston. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, became a fan of the Red Sox. And we didn't get to talk about this much in the article, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you were writing stories <clears throat> for publications in Taiwan when you were here. Yes. Uh, talk about covering the 90, 1999 All-Star Game. Oh, there was something that, well, I would call that the best memories of my uh, short journalist uh, career because, that, I mean, on top of it, you have Taylor Lynch there and you have the All-Century team there. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would, that, that was probably the first, I think that was the first uh, All-Star Game that I covered. In Major League Baseball, and um, and there was, I still remember. I think they did it in the Marriott or somewhere uh, for the old uh, the old century team uh, press conference. And the day I went there, I was like, because well, because of the publication that I was you know writing for, they didn't really need uh, much materials about the old century team. So I kind of like you know there was a treat for myself to go to that press conference to just to look at those legendary greats, and I saw them just walking by in front of me one by one, and I I feel like I I I mean on top of it, I don't have to ask any questions because it was it was not part of my task, and but by looking at them like walking one by one in front of me, I just feel like. I was the luckiest person on the face of the earth that day, and it was really amazing. And of course, uh, during the opening uh, opening ceremony, uh, when Ted Williams came out from the uh, from to to throw that ceremonial pitch, uh, that was that was really something. That that's something I never never forget. Man, that that is so cool. I, I as we were setting up this podcast, Richard texted me a couple of images. And it's his collection of baseballs and, and memorabilia. And it was a bunch of Red Sox stuff, which is cool. Obviously, you became a Red Sox fan. Uh, who are your favorite players? Like, what are your favorite memories of, of rooting for the Red Sox when you were here? Uh, I would say for the pitching side is Pedro Martinez. Mm, that's a and good choice. I, <laughs> yeah, and I, re- yeah, and I, I really like uh, Nomar Gasseparo. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 as a fan, uh, I really feel kind of sad when he left uh, for the Cubs. You know, after that transaction, uh, but after that, we, we, uh, we, we got the World Series champions. So, and still, I, I still like him very, very much, and I kind of follow his career. Uh, I think he went to the broadcasting and things like that. Mm-hmm. I actually, when I was writing for the the Taiwanese baseball magazine, I did two pieces on him. Yeah, well, I I I would say Ted Williams and uh, Pedro Pedro uh, during my time there Pedro and uh, Nomar. Hmm. Yeah, Pedro's. You know, recently I did a uh, 
a thing on Twitter about if you had to pick three pitchers and, and you had to win the game, all right? Yeah. And, and the stakes are if you lose the game, you lose your life, basically. <laughs> and you, but you get to pick any pitcher, right? Any three pitchers to get through a whole game. One of mine was Pedro Martinez. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like that was such an easy decision, especially given how great he was during that time period. Um, you know, we, we talked about this the other day a little bit, Richard. You, you know, you, you really want to be able to introduce Taiwanese baseball to people who haven't seen it yet. Um, how much fun has that part been for you to just to be able to share the game? And for folks who haven't watched these games yet, um, you know, what would you tell those people, you know, as far as trying to give this thing a shot? Oh, I think it's been really fun for me to do this, to introduce baseball in Taiwan uh, to the entire world. And uh, I think aside from the, the baseball itself, because this is the game that we all know, this is the, you know, the baseball language that we all share, uh, I think I would like to ask the fans uh, to direct their attention to uh, the, the, the cardboard cutout people and... Uh, the mannequins, and also we have the real alive cheerleaders, cheer girls. I want to tell them that you know, although we don't have the real fans on the stand right now, but the fan reaction is one of the biggest part and the biggest uh, attraction uh, of Taiwanese baseball. And actually, every game here played uh, in Taiwan actually relied on the fan reaction. Uh, between the fan and, and the players so much. And of course, we have the cheer girls here right now. And I just want to, you know, maybe during the game, I will be telling them more things about uh, the culture of baseball here. And we will introduce the baseball songs for each players. And you'll see the cheerleaders, you'll see the uh, cheerleading team captain. They do their, you know, all different kind of funny things. Because especially uh, when this week, when, when I'm moving my... Uh, games to with the Fubang Guardians, they are in a beautiful stadium. And they don't have the little plan thing, but it's another uh, beautiful stadium that you have to see. I, I would say that they have the best feel right now uh, in the mm -hmm. entire uh, country. And we'll be able to see them on a Friday. And uh, join us. Uh, we'll, t we'll tell you a lot of stories about these players. Uh, and there funny things we got. Uh, also, there, there are a lot of funny things to do with our culture here, and it's a different style of baseball. No matter it's a uh, the, the atmosphere or maybe the playing style is also different as well. As when mentioned a few times that uh, we don't really play small balls. It's a combination of Japanese uh, technique and American swing, those kind of things. Uh, there are a lot of things that you can see, but uh, uh, please join us. We can have a good time. Well, that's that, you're breaking some news here, Richard. So you guys got English <laughs> language broadcasts, huh? To tell us yes. about that. Yet it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Is that how it's going to go? Yeah, it will be uh, a three-game series uh, between the Guardians and uh, and the CTBC Brothers. Well, I think they are also one of the very popular team here. They they were the most popular team. Uh, throughout the most time of the uh, most years of the CTBL history, and, okay, and, uh, they come to Taipei to play with the Guardians. Uh, there are a lot of stories there too, and uh, 
we'll be telling you about uh, stories of the players, and there will be funny stories too. There will be uh, uh, like some heartwarming stories too. Yeah, I, I've got a few one I'm working on right now. Yeah, so it's That's good. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and also at the same time, the Universe Sports Network will also carry the game between the Uni Lions and uh, and the Monkeys. Well, they have been a crazy hitting team during the past five games and set a new record already uh, for the most home runs hit in the first five games of the season. They broke their own record, yeah, set it just a few years ago, but this year they've been... I don't know if there's another word uh, better described hot, but they were really, really hot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's so you now all, all the games, the two games... All four teams, yes, uh, going to be yes. broadcast in English this weekend. That's really awesome. That's true. Yeah, and I, I would just like to invite everybody uh, to join us online uh, when you wake up in the morning, and <laughs> you know, you watch the baseball, you watch our baseball, and then you drink your coffee, and maybe you have some muffins and things like that on your table, and then. Well, if the game gets longer, you know that our games are longer than the <laughs> games. If the game gets longer, then uh, we'll carry you through the lunchtime, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I just hope it doesn't go that long because you know it really, it's really tiring if you, you know, work on a five-hour game or something like that. But well, yeah. I hope it doesn't go that long. But in case, you know, we got you a breakfast and a lunch covered. <laughs> That's right, or or your morning workout, or your English muffin, like your oh, breakfast yeah. ball. I love it. Um, so I've been watching the last couple of games. I've decided that I am like a Fubon Guardians fan now. So excellent. Tell me, tell me what I need to know to be a good Fubon Guardians fan. How about some history? Tell me about their players, their manager. Tell me about their manager, man. He looks like he's intense. Well, look, look at the. I mean, the manager. Hong Yi-chung, he is the new manager of the Guardians. And he led the monkeys. It used to be called the Lamigo Monkeys, and now it's Lactin Monkeys. They, he led the men, uh, the monkeys to so many championships in, in recent years. And uh, after the ownership change, he decided to you know, seek for a better contract for himself, so he went to the Guardians. He never really laughed. And I, I should uh, <laughs> let me re, let me rephrase that he really never laughed in the regular season games, mm. but you're gonna you're gonna see him laughing like a little boy during the spring training games. Okay. That's probably the only time we see him laugh. Otherwise, yeah. uh, the you're just gonna see his you know uh, what's the word his cheek probably will just tweak a little bit. That uh-huh. that's that's his laugh already so he doesn't really laugh in of you and, uh, <laughs> he's always like that he has a poker face on the other day I still remember yeah. the one of one of his uh, players hit a home run or something like that and the camera you know went to him and then his face is like so what uh, so he, <laughs> he never really expresses emotions um, I would say maybe in front of the camera or maybe uh, maybe where he's in a closed door, it's different. Yeah, it, it is a little bit different because we worked with him before uh, uh-huh. as a league staff. He smiled a little bit more than you would see from the camera. Mm-hmm. 
And for the players, what? Not everybody loves your comment on Li Zhexuan. That two thirds of the world is covered by uh, water and one third is covered <laughs> by him. Even the even the general manager of the Guardians was uh, repeating it to everybody you know who walks into her office these days. That's and, um, funny. I will. Well, I stole uh, that from Ralph Kiner. Ah, <laughs> that's an old line about Gary ah. Maddox from back in the day. So I see. It, st- it still plays. <laughs> okay. So actually, uh, Lin Zhexuan is a very special player. Uh, we always said that there are a lot of good uh, center fielders out there in CBPL. I mean, there are good ones there for sure. But I, both me and the Wim, agrees that he separated himself uh, from all others. He's he's really you know up there. He's a major league style center fielder. And after he joined the league years ago, he has set so many. Examples for for the younger players as well, but uh, during the broadcast that we we're going to do on Friday, we will be also intru- uh, introducing his uh, a new nickname. Oh, not a new nickname. It's new to everybody out there, international fans. But he has a funny nickname uh, <laughs> related to his his hobby when he's done playing baseball. Okay. And also Hu okay. Jinlong, uh, the former Dodger for Wilmette. He also has a very uh, interesting hobby as playing golf. Mm-hmm. And we will be talking about that too because, uh, oh, let me talk about this right now. Uh, he played golf really well. And we often joked about that uh, baseball is his second career, while golf is his first. <laughs> and that is one of the features that we, we, we take on. The, the Guardians, you know, Hu uh, Jitong just uh, hit his 1,000th hit. Right, uh, career hit in CBPL. So the Guardians, uh, you know, they, they were selling some uh, souvenir merchandise to commemorate the 1,000 hit. And one of the thing, the funny thing is that they did not sell any baseballs, but they sold golf balls, <laughs> and they were all sold out already. That's funny. So this evening when I walk into a Guardians uh, merchandise store and I was trying to you know, buy a golf ball, you know, and then I was thinking of maybe I can get him a sign on that. And then mm-hmm. Steve were like, oh, they're already gone. I, I was like, what, it was like two days ago that he has his 1,000th hit, and now Just everything's like gone? Just like that. <laughs> but uh, their general manager told, told me that they may order more, uh, but it's coming in maybe next week or something like that. That's so, so funny. It's it's a uh, what's gonna call it the custom uh, made uh, golf ball. I mean custom to his hobby. Mm-hmm. So for this kind of occasion, they don't they don't make the uh, the baseball souvenir. They they make this the golf ball souvenir. That's perfect. Um, well, Richard, before we let you go, I just want to thank you for being on the show. And if you could please let people know how to find the games. This weekend, Great. is it just through Twitter? Sure. How, uh, how would you the, do it? Sure. Uh, for the Guardians game, uh, I think they are just setting up their uh, uh, Twitter account, and it should be a Fubon that still uh, spells F U B O N Fubon Guardians. Guardians, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the word Guardians. And for mm-hmm. uh, the the Lions and the Monkeys game, please go to uh, Event Sports Taiwan. Also on Twitter. Yeah, so both games will be broadcasted uh, in English 
and they will start the game time will be uh, on Friday it'll be 6:35 Eastern time is okay. a 12 hour difference between you know here and in Boston yeah so uh, and for the Sunday and Saturday game you will start around uh, five o'clock we usually have a 505 first pitch yeah but I think we will have a little bit of our pregame show. Uh, starting maybe maybe uh, 4.45 or maybe 4.50. Uh, I don't know the exact schedule yet, but the first pitch will be 5 o'clock. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Well, Richard, I, I just wanted to thank you, not just for coming on here, but you know for putting these games on. I think a lot of people uh, have missed baseball, obviously. It's a tough time, and you know I, I think part of the experience of baseball is – is not just watching the game, but sort of hearing these voices that you like setting up the experience. So congratulations to, to you and to Wayne uh, for the job you guys have done, and hopefully we see more past this weekend. Thank you very much, and I will definitely see you on the air. And uh, before I go, and good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to, to all of you out there. Now, that was a fun interview with Richard Wong. Um, again, you can hear him and Wayne on Friday uh, calling the Fubon Guardians game. Um, and you'll be able to catch that online. I guess the, the team's uh, Twitter feed will have that on live. So, um, you know, Andy will not be watching, surely. He'll be doing better things, like sleeping maybe. But I probably will. But, uh, you know, Andy, what you got coming this week? What are you working Oh, on? I don't know. I appreciate you doing that interview. I was slightly under the weather earlier this week, and so it was uh, decided I should take a day or so to uh, uh, rest, And but I feel much better now. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you're able to talk to your buddy Richard, and I'm glad Richard was able to speak with a goober uh, like yourself. <laughs> um, you know, I'm doing the usual, making shit up and – you know, trying to stay active on got to, you know, got some stories coming uh, next week that might be OK. I actually I wrote about the James Shields trade this week, mm. which uh, is a topic that, you know, I was picked over uh, relentlessly at the time and was a really controversial deal. And I think, uh, you know, obviously the public opinion on that has swung significantly uh, in back to the Royals' favor, but it was interesting to talk to, you know, Dayton Moore and Andrew Friedman and, you know, Shields himself and a lot of the, you know, the people involved about kind of the psychology of the deal and, you know, why it worked out for the Royals, um, you know, kind of the Royals' theory of change. And, um, you know, it was interesting. I mean, I was, it was, it's a, you know, lucky for me in that, you know, the two last two teams I covered as a beat writer were the Royals and the Dodgers. So I have, you know, pretty decent relationships with, you know, with Moore and Friedman. And I've talked to them about this a lot kind of informally. So it was, um, you know, it was, it's, I think these stories are always interesting, you know, kind of reconstructing stuff that happened, uh, you know, in the recent past, because I find that people are suddenly more candid, like you just learn new stuff. As things go along, you know, like I, this, this is, this trade was made, you know, eight years ago, seven years ago. And like, I just found out last week that the Royals, you know, were actually actively considering flipping Jake Odorizzi for Matt Garza and not getting Wade Davis, which would have made, you know, the contours of this trade much different. Um, mm -hmm. So just like little things like that, I think are always interesting. And so I was, uh, you know, I, th I thought the story turned out okay. Yeah, those are fun. 
uh, yeah. reconstructions because there's a couple of things I find that happen there as a reporter. First of all, you know, in real time, right when it's going down, you might get bits and pieces, and, and but the people right. that are telling you those things are asking you not to publish it, and then you're right. sitting there going, "Well, if I do that, then I'm burning this person, and that's no good for the future." So you end up knowing it but not doing anything with it. Kind of right. kicks around in your mind until right about now when people like you say are a little more candid but you've got all this background now it's stuff you can follow up on and a lot of yeah. times to me that's the key to unlocking right. new things you know yeah. because you know this one thing that isn't out there right you can bring it back up and that leads to one thing to another to another and now you've got all this stuff that no one had known about which is cool yeah yeah, I got a message from one of the people I talked to the story, and they described the story I wrote as extremely accurate. So that makes me think that it's all false. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you like the Royals uniforms? I'm just curious because I'm, I'm looking at the picture. Yeah. Um, you do. Tell me yeah, what do you like about them, Andy. They're, they're classic. They look like baseball. They have a really good logo. Um, yeah, I mean, they're simple and clean and, you know, aesthetically pleasing. There's nothing okay. garish about them. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think a lot of if they don't they don't like jump off the page, but they also are. Uh, yeah, I think like clean and tidy, and uh, they look like what a baseball uniform should look like. I think you know, like wow. I don't think anyone would say, oh, you know, who has like the flashiest uniforms of the Dodgers, but like they have great uniforms because it's a great logo. It's classic. It you know, makes you think about watching the sport and what you like about it. I think, I don't know. Man, your beats have been good uniforms. Now that I think uh, about it, uh, you've had good uniform beats. Yeah. Mets, Yankees, Royals, Dodgers. Yeah. They're all pretty good. Yeah. So I asked that Andy, cause next week kind of working on a project I'm excited about, and I guess we'll pick it up later, but mm -hmm. going to be do going deep on some uniforms here. And, um, you know, caught up with some people that firsthand experience designing some of these things and um, going to try through all of that to figure out which ones are the best. Which wow, one. it's, it's going to be really hard to figure out how you're going to decide that the A's have the best uniforms. I, I wow. really look forward with great suspense to seeing how you decide the A's have the best uniforms. Well, I'll, you know, as I write, I'll put center field on. <laughs> Check that out too, by the Dude, way. The, the comment section. Whoa. <laughs> Andy McCullough. Whoa. Yeah, you got Whoa. it. Dude, like the <laughs> comment section is just 400 people doing a run-in and bashing you over oh the head with a steel Lord. chair. It's uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> and on that note <laughs> oh man i actually um, we got, i got a good i got a message just i want to pass this along because i thought it was so funny i got a message from uh from riley breckenridge uh he's a friend of mine he's the drummer from thrice but he's also one half of the uh the productive outs podcast and twitter account with ian miller and riley messaged me to say that we should do a follow-up story called worst baseball songs of all time and it's just center field and take me out to the ball game <laughs> um, Dude, the, the, the going through the comments, oh like it was Joanna and I were doing it one night, like at oh the end God. of the day, and she she was like repeating the ones and like couldn't stop. She goes, "Take me out to the ball game" is literally a song about baseball, and she couldn't stop laughing. Like at some of these, yeah. like like I don't know, man. Like first of all, like I feel bad because like you know those. I don't feel like you guys were trolling. Those were your choices, but I, I will say, <laughs> man, like uh, the commenters brought it strong. Man, they brought <laughs> Yeah. I don't think I've ever upset people to that level. And I used to like – 
actively try to upset people on Twitter, you know, like I would tweet things designed to get ratioed because I thought it was funny and I've never come close to this. And like, I don't think Rustin and I had a conversation. We like, he did a lot of the legwork in coming up with the pool of songs. And then we worked together to build the list. And, uh, I don't think we actually had a conversation about leaving out center field. We were both just kind of like, yeah, center field sucks, like whatever. And just like we didn't uh, – like we did not uh, – like there's this, you know, like Ben Gibbard, the, uh, the, the lead singer from Death Cab for Cutie, who we mentioned on there, who I'm a huge Death Cab fan and, you know, really love all his work. So this was – like this was really cool for me. He gave us a shout-out on Instagram and said we, um, we were engaged in graduate-level trolling by leaving out center field. But like uh, – I, I mean this sincerely. We were not trying. We didn't do this specifically to leave out center field. We just think that song sucks. Like, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so like we came at this earnestly. Dude, are we doing a pod or are you just cutting a promo right now? No, I, I, <laughs> this is going. as this is great. This is as earnest as I can be. Oh my god! I, I feel was like mean not, Gene just holding a mic to you I right know. now. Keep going, baby. Let's go. No, but like people are saying, like you did this on purpose. Like, what did you think would happen? Like, you just did this whole story just to upset people, and it's like, no, I don't like that song. Uh, like I really dislike that song and, uh, it's, it's bad. It's a bad song. It's very, very frust. Like, I don't know, maybe, uh, it's a little different. Maybe if you've covered it's this, we, we probably should have, yeah, okay. If we had had any idea how much we would have upset people about this, we probably put in a, we would have put in a disclaimer of just, here's why we left off center field. Uh, and I think it is worthwhile the note that Rustin and I both covered the Kansas City Royals and at Surprise Stadium uh, it, during spring training before every single game, they play center field. Uh, so that song just immediately conjures memories for me of being at spring training and being angry. Uh, so we probably should have put that in there. But <laughs> I mean this sincerely. It was not designed to upset people. We thought people would be like, oh, cool. Like, I like that song by the Cub or about the Cubs. Or like, oh, yeah, I didn't know. Like, we thought people, like, it would get, like, a decent reaction where people would just said, like, wow, these are cool songs. And it was really just like, you guys are idiots. Like, this is so embarrassing. This is the worst article in the history of The Athletic. Like, everyone who subscribed for the Baseball 100, like, immediately unsubscribed, I think. Like, it was... <laughs> You know, like you've undone like, all that work. Yeah, all of those people, like they, they, they also like thousands of people unsubscribed oh and just Venmoed money directly to Joe Posnanski or something. Oh. You know, like it. Yeah, so just uh, banging that meh button at the bottom of the story, dude. Do you know what our? Uh, this is getting a little in the weeds. No, no. Let's. Do, I love this stat. Let's go. This is great. Do you know what our stat was on this? No. What, well, what our, I, I, had, what our, I had a sense. What our satisfaction score is. What do you think it was? <laughs> what, 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 what would you say it was? I'm looking uh, at it now. Like, what do well, you think? Okay, I, I'll go on my, my lowest. 
I looked this up. Uh-huh. Uh It's like 21. Okay. And it was like, I, it was some nothing thing from a couple of years ago where I took a shot at someone and it didn't go over so well. So it was sure. like a 21. What, mm-hmm. what was yours? Uh, it's currently at a negative four. Uh, <laughs> And this is again this is a on a hundred point scale. A hundred point scale. I thought the lowest was zero. They have <laughs> a satisfaction here. score. Yeah, that I I was working under the impression that the lowest score was zero. But you should know that right now it's at negative four, and it has improved because it was negative seven a couple days ago. Amazing. Um. Yeah. Amazing. So the readers not happy with. <laughs> with this uh and uh yeah definitely not on purpose but i you know <laughs> 558 <laughs> comments <laughs> and the second one from michael h which got yeah. 166 likes oh gosh i guess the title should have been quote the 30 most obscure baseball songs you've never heard of end yeah quote that's I one gotta... of the biggest misses of any list ever. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's the thing, man. Like the customer's always right. You know, we serve at the at the pleasure of the readers. We love our readers. Our readers are keeping the lights on. You know, like it's it's fantastic the way our community you know has responded to this crisis and supported us and stuck with us. And so, like, you know, I'm not in the business of ripping the audience, right? It's our job to entertain and inform and you know, all that thing for them. I will say this. I did not care for being described as a hipster for a list that includes Peter, Paul, and Mary, Paul, Simon, and Bob Dylan, and Bruce Springsteen. This is as normie a list as you can find. Okay. (laughs) Like this is some serious normie shit on there okay like if we wanted to be hipster we would have done exclusively mountain goat songs uh which we did not do the mountain goats rock anyway okay. i love the commenters i love the readers uh definitely didn't intend to upset people at the level that we did uh but hopefully it provided a nice diversion where instead of being frustrated about kind of the state of the world folks could just yell at me and ruster man for <laughs> for for hating center field <laughs> Uh, just for the record, um, because you guys are my friends, I did leave a supportive comment on there. I did it not under my work account, but I did. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But Even Elizabeth M. Elizabeth M. chimed in. And I instead of saying that. great article, she just said, wow, a lot of reaction to this piece. <laughs> Quote, a whole lot of reaction to this one, wow. Andy. Not even Danny. <laughs> not even. Not even. The the Dang. matriarch of the McCullough family uh, could support me on this one. Nope, How about that? Nope. Ganny stepped back. Ganny wow. stepped yeah, back. Ganny Ganny was just like, I don't know who this boy is. I uh, don't, you know, he's not he's not related to me. I'm, you know, my name's Elizabeth Ramsey. I don't know yeah. any McCulloughs. We're just by blood, <laughs> by by marriage. Uh, anyway, Andy. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. For, thanks again. That's Andy McCullough, senior writer with the Athletic. I'm Mark Carrig, also a senior writer with The Athletic. You're listening to Beyond the Scrum. We'll see you guys next week. Black.